God is good. I may take off my jacket after a while. I just need to show you that I have my jacket with me. I want to be respectable. And somebody said, are you trying to look like Pastor Todd? <laughs> I'm not. Okay. Not that he is any uh, indicator of good fashion, but uh, that is better than mine. Anyhow, uh, let me see. I just want to make sure that I have a... I want to begin with a simple thought. Uh, the thought really is, I, you know... Uh, when you look at our life, as you live our life, and there are, we have two main issues and problems in our lives. First, we do not know always what is right, what is good to do. Second, even if we know what is right, we don't have ability and strength to do it. The second part actually is whole lot more congruent is more than just ability to do it right over to what is right, but also, I don't feel like doing what is right. Or sometimes even though I feel like I know what is right, I feel like doing what is right, but I may not have a strength to do what is right. What I'm getting at is, we are, a human beings, we are, at least Bible says we are tri, tripod being. We are three-part being. Our mind, our soul, our emotions, and as, as a, our will. We struggle with all these areas. The reason I mention that is because lately I've been hearing, I've been reading here and there about, you know, uh, Christ, well-known Christians who have not done a lot of uh, uh, notable things in the Christian kingdom. Apparently, somewhere down the line, and they walk away saying, I'm, not, I'm no longer a Christian. And I've yet heard a number of cases like that. I'm not saying what I said earlier solves all the, all the problems or the questions, but I see we struggle with things. And often I think we are living in a generation where our generation is different from the generation before. Generation before, a lot of us are knowing what is right and people will do what is right. Now our generation is about, not only, I don't really care about as much as what is right. I want to feel right. I need to feel it is right. Often a lot of our generation is about how I feel, what I sense. Often we are very sensory feeling based, emotion based culture now. Often we decide and do things by how we feel. Yes, what is, what, what is right is important, but it is more swayed by what I think and what I feel. And this is the generation we are living in. You know, and um, I don't know what spectrum you are in in your life. For me, I am one of those that I know what is right, but I don't always feel like doing the right thing. I always struggle with my emotions more than knowing what is right. My wife is the kind of person, if she knows what is right, she'll just do it. By past all the feelings on that, she'll just do what is right. I'm kind of guy, even though I know it's right, I need to feel like I want to do it right. That's the problem. It's good and bad. It's good when I when I'm excited about doing what is right, I have more energy for it. But I, my danger is, I'm not going to do anything. Meaning I'm inconsistent because I'm a very emotion-based person. And our culture is like that. I don't know what spectrum you are in. Today, uh, I want to look at, as I look at, as I've been praying and looking at uh, Book of Acts, 
you know, and going through the series of messages called Life in the Spirit, I want you to know I really believe God is being intentional here as we go through the book of Acts. The reason we are going through the book of Acts and talking about life in the Spirit, I think we are being very uh, intentional here. We always begin by saying the book of Acts is really focused on this verse, 1 8, uh, Acts 1 8, where Jesus, right before he ascended back to the Father, after the suffering and resurrection, teaching people about the kingdom of God and all that, and he gave the promise, saying that in not many days from now, you're going to receive the gift of the Father, which I prepared for you, which is you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said, when you receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, he, and then he said, when you receive the power by the Holy Spirit of God, you will become my witnesses. That's what, what, I, what I feel like God has been highlighting. What is a Christian life about? What is our life in our Lord God, our life in God about? We are, it's not about me, as me being happy and blessed, as if that is the end of all things, which means I am the goal of everything. I am not. Our life in God is, at, at the end of the day, it's about God. God loving us, and God created us and purpose and plan for our lives. In His plan, we find His love for us. In His plan, we find His grace for us. God's plan for us is a whole lot bigger than me. If it's all about me, then American Christianity is correct. In a gentleman and popular American Christianity is correct. It's about blessing. Prosperity gospel is about me. If I believe in God, God will give me everything I want. Meaning the focus is me. And the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in me. Yes, by product we be happy, we have God's blessings. It's greater than that. Greater than that. We become more like our Father as God has planned and designed the, uni the whole universe to be. Not only that, it is more than me, through me, that all the people of the earth will be blessed. I'm just saying something we all know, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying anything new, right? Right? Let me study it. Right? right. Okay. What about you, right? What about this side, right? right. We, just wanted, we just need to make sure that we are engaging here. God is good. Oh my goodness. I haven't, did it, I haven't started, started yet. By the way, just to let you know, I was ambitious as I prepared the message that I was going to go through chapter and a half. Chapter 17, verse 1 to 18, 22. It's only about 60 slides. So I can't do it. But yesterday afternoon, no way, I cannot do this. I'm going to chop it down to three, and I'm, I'll do one, one third of it. And I'm really stirred about today's message because I really feel, I really sense that God is really, He has been doing this already. He's really centering us on the Word of God because Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Let me just say one more comment. This is in my notes. I didn't add a comment here. Okay? Can you, can you all see me? I need to make sure that I... My wife, after the message last Sunday, she told me, you walked around a lot, and you stuck on this side too much last week, which means two thousand people can see you. 
So she says, try to stay in the middle somewhere so people can see you. Okay, I'll do that. I'll listen to my wife. Okay, my wife is a boss. I do whatever she says. <laughs> I thought about what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, you can come back to me. Let's look at our passage first, okay? Chapter uh, 17, verse 1 through 15. That's what I want to look at. If you have the Bible with you, please follow along in your own Bible. I put it up for convenience sake, the PowerPoints, but also that I can highlight certain things. I'd rather that you have your own word of Bible with you. And, and so we can look at it together. Alright? Let me start at verse 1, 17, 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, pronouncing those are not easy, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now let me explain a little bit. Uh, when we read passages like this, often there's so much things going on we do not get to see. If you look at, let me show a map here. I know you're, you're looking at the map both sides. If you look on the top in the middle, in the light, right in the middle you see Troas, right? Troas. This is where Apostle Paul had a vision. Somebody from Macedonia in the dream said, come and help us. They went out to, went out to Philippi, remember? That's where uh, he was, uh, uh, he met uh, Lydia, the woman, uh, color of purple, and also the jailer, and, and Philippine jailer was, and, uh, was came to know Christ. That's Philippi. From there, he goes down to southwestward, westward of 100 miles to Thessalonica. He bypasses Amphipolis and Apollonia. Apparently those who are uh, uh, not, as a, not as really a major cities, they didn't have Jewish synagogues. And goes down to Thessalonica, which was the capital of that, that region, Macedonia, the county, that whole region, that province. Um, it was a very big city, very popular city, very uh, 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 center of everything kind of city there. He goes there because there is a Jewish synagogue. Apostle Paul's mission strategy was to go to a major cities with the synagogues, and that's where we will start preaching the gospel first. Now, look at the next verse. It says, verse 2, Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, three weeks in a row, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Let me stop right here. I, I read a mouthful here. A lot of things here. Now you see here, Apostle Paul, by the calling of God, because God has called him uh, uh, and to preach the gospel, he goes, he's on a second missionary journey, as he goes through, and he comes to any city, he goes to synagogue first. first. For three, sad, three weeks in a row on a Sabbath, he'll go to synagogues and talk to them. Out of the scriptures, he does three things. First, he reasons with them. The word really is dialogue. He discussed with them, talk with them. And actually, and the next word is that he explained to them the scriptures. Literally, that means opened up. Opened up minds, understand. Opened up heart so they can understand. So he, 
discuss, dialogue with them, talk with them. He explained to them. He opened their mind to understand from the scriptures. Third, he proved, demonstrated the truth. His speaking is really truth. Demonstrated it. He proved, literally the word means he opened before them. He said before them. And I said, how, tell me, how, prove it to me. How, why, why this is true that you open up, look here, 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 there. That's sort of that kind of way. He was proving to them the scriptures was true. What is the message? Now, the reason I mentioned goes slow and talking about three things is because there is a conversation going on. Apostle Paul started with talking with the Jews, saying that, all your, your, your faith in God, all that God has promised, how God has sent the Savior as God has promised in the scriptures. That's why the Jews are, are gathering in synagogue, remembering God's promises. And he discussed a dialogue with them. He explained to them the things that they may not know, opened up their mind and proved to them. What is the message? Very simple. The Messiah, the Savior is coming must suffer. That a wrong view of the Savior is coming. The Savior is coming will be like Superman. Powerful. And changing all things. With the power or not. You know, I don't know, you know, I don't know why in our generation, our older movies are so inundated with Marvel comics and you know, the Aquaman. Now, you know, and all that, you know, and, and all different roles. I don't even know, I don't even like that. So many of them, Black Panther, you name it, you get you everything. And, and any one of them superhero kind of thing. Some of the extraordinary powers to save people, help people. Yet they're all with faults. I saw a funny cartoon, I wish I, I put it up there. I found a really funny cartoon where uh, Jesus sitting with Superman, Batman, and all the others. Telling them this is how I did it. To all the Marvel heroes, or the Marvel coming heroes. Anyway, here, really the Jews, Jews, uh, Jews at the time, even now, had a wrong view of Christ. They thought it's uh, based on the Bible that Messiah will come like a conquering hero. He will take over the nations and he will set Israel as mighty nation. And then no, he said, no, Bible says Messiah Christ is supposed to suffer. That's how you know he's real Messiah. Secondly, and after he suffered, he will die. He will be raised from the dead. He's resurrected and the proof that he is the Messiah. In simple one verse, and here Luke is really summarizing the content, the message of the gospel, the good news that Paul is bringing. Third, he said, this is Messiah who suffers for the humanity's sake, who is raised from the dead. With the hope, and this is Messiah. This is a message. This is not what uh, often at the, all of us as churches talk about. We talk about how we can be happy, how we can have peace, how God can help you from the problems. Often we all focus about us, what I need, what I need, what I want. And where Apostle always, even though God uses him to do miracles and all kind of things, he always focuses on who Christ Jesus is. Sometimes this week I was having a breakfast with somebody at the morning prayer. One of my favorite time is breakfast at the morning prayer. Whoever joins me at the morning breakfast and at the morning prayer, you are blessed. 
I want to tell you what, you are blessed, okay? I, I thank you. We are having a conversation about theology. Now, just indulge me for two minutes. I believe there are, generally speaking, very cruelly two ways of doing theology. Theology study of God. One is for my needs. You see the problem in the world, and then you look to God for answers. You see our problems, and you see God for answers. Theology coming out of our own context. A lot of theology came out in the 60s and 70s all around the world. Called, one of them is called liberation theology in, 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 in Latin America. People are poor, they are hungry, and they are going oppressed by the government. They need to be liberated. Out of that, sort of, they came with, we need a God who will liberate them. Liberation theology. And there was a, I used to be in part of this, feminist theology came in, I think, 70s and 80s, saying, women are oppressed. By the patriarchal society or not, and 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 this God and and the religion we have, the God is wrong. Uh, that's that's not the God we really need. God is God who is for women's rights and all that. And feminist theology came out from our issues that you look to God for answers. That's not bad in itself. The problem is often when you start start, start theology in that way, you are so concerned about our need, danger will create God in our own image, our own need. The other way of doing theology is studying for who God is, seeing God, who greatness of who God is. And then out of that, see our issues, our problems, how God comes to meet our issues. That's a, that, that has been traditional theology. But problem with that, often the danger is, it can be very ethereal theology that does not speak to people's need. It can be very distant kind of theology. Talk about God, mighty God, but yet doesn't really deal with people's needs. To both have issues. And if you look at scripture, Bible really begins, Apostle Paul begins with Christ, God, Christ, who came and suffered and resurrected and brings us hope. He always focused on who God is. I mean, he was not in any way dismissing of human needs. We do have human needs. And he started with God is. That's Apostle Paul. Now, I bet you didn't, you didn't know this, but you know, as I was studying the passage, a bell went on, ding, 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 bell went, 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 went on in my head. One of my favorite passages in the Bible about resurrection is after resurrection, there's a road, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus meets two guys who are walking away from Jerusalem, depressed and really dejected because Christ, the Jesus they believed in, died and, and died. And there was a rumor that he was resurrected, and they were walking away. Remember the story about how, in the story, how some, some stranger come ne walking next to them and say, What are they talking about? These, these two says, These two says, Aren't you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know what happened? Talked about Jesus, the prophet, and miracle worker. We thought he was Messiah, but they killed him. They were, they were so discouraged. And Jesus said to them, all foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures of things concerning himself. You know why I, I read this passage? Because this is exactly what Paul is doing. 
Apostle Paul didn't do what Jesus did. The Christ had to suffer. Has to suffer. And that is Messiah. And, he, and, and, and then goes on. When he was, you know how he explained to them, and then at the table, let me go on. When he, when he was at the table with them that night, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes are opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. How oh, their eyes are open because Jesus spent time opening the scriptures, how the Old Testament spoke about how Messiah would come and sacrifice and die and be resurrected. When they said, when he was doing all that, didn't our hearts burn? That's what Apostle Paul was doing in Thessalonica. He was opening the minds of the sand, proving to them that Christ had to suffer and raise from the dead. He is the Messiah. He's following Jesus' footstep, telling them about Christ. Now, after discussing, arguing, and, and, and explaining, and, and proving to them, the responses happen. Listen, every time when the word of God is given, truth is given, there has to be a response. Amen? Amen. The worst thing you do is, then maybe, oh, that sounds good. That means it's good for you, but not for me. That's the worst thing you can do. When, when, the, when the truth has come, you need to respond to it. What am I going to do with this truth? Am I going to say, okay, this is right. I accept it or reject it. It cannot be indifferent. And I find a lot of people become indifferent to what God is saying. And then they are in the danger of missing out what God is saying. Now I want you to look at the responses here. And some, and some of them were persuaded. Now who are the some? Jewish people in the Jewish synagogue. Some of them were persuaded. And joined Paul and Silas. And a great many of the devout Greeks, meaning you know, the non-Jews who were in the synagogues who were God-fearers. And not a few of the leading women. A lot of Gentiles believe in Christ. But some few Jews believe. And it, Luke mentions not a few, quite a number of leading women. Okay, that, that's what happened in three weeks. And then something else happened. But there's always a but. This is not a holy but, this is a bad but. Okay? The Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rebel, they formed the mob and set the city in an uproar, attacked the house of Jason. Seeking to bring them out to the crowd. I didn't even know Jason was in the Bible. Jason is in the Bible. The, the, you know, this verse tells you, in that three, four weeks time, a church started. The meeting at Jason's house. Church started with Jason. That's what it was. And then these Jews who couldn't, who didn't, who didn't believe because, you know, they didn't want to believe because they were jealous what Paul was, Paul was doing, how Paul would be influential, leading many to Christ, whatever it might be. He responded, he responded by being ugly people, bringing the mobs and hiring the, the lockdown laws and all those and created a mob. Came after looking, came after Jason looking for Paul and his companions. They didn't find him. Look what it says. Now I'm going to skip that, okay? 
And when they had, could not find them, they came to Jason, they couldn't find Paul and his companions, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have, have turned the world upside down have come here also. They say these three guys who came, they've been turning the world upside down. They're saying, this Paul and this Silas and Timothy, they are, and maybe Luke, they are really stirring up whole things in whole Roman society. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now you see this mob reaction, negative reaction, the persecution is similar to what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. People turn and they came against Jesus and ended up you know, killing him on the cross. Thus fulfilling God's promise, God's will, God's orders, accomplishing all that. By the way, are we getting a little warm here? It's just me? Hit the AC. It's just on? It's just me? I'm too excited? Okay, I'm too excited. Okay. God is good. Now, just, just to let you know, um, let, let me read this for that. I'll, I'll just, couple, couple, I'll, I need to give you a couple homeworks. And, and the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And then when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. What's happening really is, okay, you know, they, they heard, authorities heard what happened. Okay, fine. They find, find Jason some money. And then we'll let you off. Make sure you promise that you know, you're not going to let them go on preaching all that. That's what, what they did. They bailed them out by bail, pay, bail money. Okay? And then, and then right after that, Paul and, and the others were sent away to the city. Now, this story really, now, after that, Paul and Silas and others well, goes to Berea. Next few months or so, Paul writes a letter to brand new church in Thessalonica. Brand new church started, remember, at the Jason's house? That's what first, first and second Thessalonians are. You go and read the, those, those letters, you know what happened in the book of Acts is mentioned in these letters. So one of the earliest writings in the Bible, okay, in the, this letter, Paul wrote the church in Thessalonica. Brand new church, only at most a month or two old. To this church, he writes a letter saying, look, look what it says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, though we had, met, had already suffered, been shamefully treated at Philippi, remember the jail? As you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the past of God in the midst of much conflict. He goes on to talk about how when he came, he suffered. We are boldly still declare the word of God. And goes on how he ministered to them all that. Now, you'll find that in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, you read those letters. And, and you, you can see the background of this passage. Now, I want to move on quickly. I don't know. Because I want to finish the next session. Okay, but I want to move on to a little bit. It's a wonderful church. Father mentioned. The only place where it mentions is the noble people. Look at chapter 17, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue, just like he did before. He went to the Jewish synagogue, 
is set at a barrier now. Okay? It says the barrier is about, about uh, 50 miles southwest of Thessalonica. Remember, Philippi to Thessalonica about 100 miles. Another 40, 50 miles to southwest was uh, Berea. Smaller city, not as big as other cities. And, uh, and this, this is what it says. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble than those in Thessalonica. There's no one else Bible ever mentioned these are noble people. Now look what it says. NLT version says, oh, they're open-minded. NIV says they're noble of character. NSV, my favorite version says, noble-minded. CEV, contemporary version says, they were nicer. Nicer. Compared to what happened in Thessalonica, right, they said these are noble-minded people. The idea really is they have, they have a different kind of mindset. Different kind of more noble a character and a different mindset. I like when energy is open-minded. Look, the verse uh, 11 continues on saying, Now these Jews are more noble-minded, noble than these, those in Thessalonica. They receive the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Let me read that again, the, the second part. They, were, they received the word with all eagerness. Secondly, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now you have to understand, why were they more noble-minded? And Luke says, they, when, the, when the message was spoken, they received it, more, received it eagerly. They didn't come like, what the are they talking about? Not skeptical. They are open-minded. They're eager to listen, not not blindly. They are eagerly eager to listen to what Paul said with no prejudice. We will listen to what you say. Secondly, they examine the scriptures to see what they say was correct. This is important. Why? Because I see these days a lot of times people think. Believing Christ is a leap of faith. No, it's not. Our faith in God, Christ is based on the fact and truth. It's not blindly following God. No. It is we are following God with right heart, right mind, understanding clearly. It's blind, blind. I don't like the word blind, blind faith. Because we are, it just means what, what they, I think what, by blind faith, what we are saying is, Contrary to common sense, but true understanding of God says this. Contrary to what, what everybody says. But this is right. But, and to do this, you may take a lot of risk. I'm, I'm, there's a cost behind following this thing. This is why it is faith. Not blind faith. You see, they are eager to receive the word, listen to it. Now they examine the scriptures to make sure this is right. You cannot just listen whatever I say and, and take it as, a, as, as truth. I may be wrong. I'm not usually. I'm, I'm usually good. But meaning that, you, that so they engage their heart. You see, good student is one who asks questions. You are not just blindly taking things in. You have to say, is what is spoken of true? 
You need to go back and look at the word of God and see if that is true. They didn't just listen to it and walk away. No, they studied it. Is it really in the scripture? Is it correct? Then they responded. You see, there has to be noble-minded people, open-minded people are those who listen. Give them time. Listen to it, what it says. Eagerly. And then study it to make sure this is right. And when it's right, you respond clearly. Does it make sense? Yeah. I'm so excited. This, this is not working. Okay. Can you go to the next? Uh, I'm going to go on. Now, three things that they received with eagerness. They examined with, examined with, bad grammar here, examined closely. Okay, bad grammar. I don't know who put the with in there, okay? Must be, not me. Responded accordingly. This is it. Here's the thing. If you listen carefully and then you examine it closely, if it's right, that you respond accordingly. Some people stop at number one. They don't even go number one. Some people stop at number two. You need to go number three. You need to respond accordingly. If it is correct, true, then you respond accordingly. Often people don't do that. I see so many people, Christians, when they come and they, they come, they don't have time to study the word of God, hear what God says. Even they read it and they don't really go on the study deep enough to understand what he really says. When they, and then when they, but even when they figure out what is right, they don't always do what is right. Respond correctly. We are called to do all three. This is noble-minded people. You see, walking in the Spirit of God does not negate our mind. Our heart has to be open to the Word of God. And we hear the word of God. And the word of God becomes the basis on which that we hear the voice of God. So that what we hear from God is correct. You cannot, you cannot say everything you hear, you think, everything you hear from God, you think is from God. You may be wrong. What you think you're hearing from, hearing from God may not be God. You need to have the word of God, written word of God, to make sure that you have a good foundation or what you're hearing is correct. I seen a, a missionary who's been missionary for 10 years who got married in late in 30s and he telling me I really believe I misunderstood God. I wasn't supposed to marry my wife, I'm supposed to divorce my wife. What the heck? <laughs> Would God ever say divorce your wife? No. What the heck are you talking about? I mean it's, it's a vicious thing that that's not from God because you don't know the word of God. Hearing the voices that has to be found upon knowing the word of God so that you know the heart of the heart of you know what his voice sounds like. Has to really understand, eagerly listen, examine closely, and respond accordingly. Now you know what happened? They respond accordingly. See, many of them Jews, remember Thessalonica, few Jews believe. Here and very many Jews, therefore believe. They responded accordingly. And with not a few, meaning a lot of Greek women of high standing, as well as men. Did you notice how every turn, everywhere, women believe God first? Everywhere you see women first. Always men after that. And you find that they're always in the Bible. I find in the scriptures, 
Women seem to respond to God early, quicker than men. I don't know why that it is, but women seem to do that better. Anyway, I'm running out of time here. Now, the ugly but here, but 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed to, by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds again. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Look what happened. Paul left for safety, but he left behind Silas and Timothy to teach the church that started right now. Brand new baby church. Okay, that's what Paul did. He went on to the next place, but more uh, less known partner of ministry, he lived the eyes of the and worked the church. That's, Paul, that's what Timothy and Silas did. Those who conducted Paul uh, brought him as far as Athens, that to receive a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as far as possible, they departed. So people took Paul to Athens, one of the major cities of Greece, and then Paul said, to please tell Timothy and Silas to join me when they can. And they left. Paul is not in Athens. Now, uh, let me just uh, move on to quickly things, quickly a few things. I want to, I rushed a lot here to say a couple of things. I really believe it is important for our church, any Christian, because we believe our God still speaks to us. We believe, we, because we believe the miracles sign wonders are for today, God still works on those things. Because of that, we need to be more, we need to be grounded upon the word of God to make sure this is from what God is saying. Boy, we don't want to go after chase after things. I don't want to be, I don't want to call it per peripheries. I wanted to always focus on Christ Jesus when what Christ has done. Our overflow has to be signs and wonders. Amen? We are not chasing up the things out there, no. We are chasing up the God and Christ, man, resurrected and manifest. Out of in His grave you find miracles and signs when this come. There are a lot of people hurting, everybody's hurting in this world. We want people to be saved. We want people to be healed and restored. Our goal is not people to be healed. Our goal is people to come to know Christ and find life in God. Amen. In that, in His gospel, God may heal God. The miracles hold up. You cannot put cart before the horse. Main thing is Christ Jesus. These are, these are many people, even those well-meaning, popular Christians fall away. They end up putting the cart before the horse. It was about Christ. It was always about God. Create heaven and the earth for his purpose and plans for our life, who loves and delights over us. That's where we begin. Amen? Amen. Now, in light of that, we're going to have, I think, we're going to have a time of commission. Pessimism will come out in a couple of minutes. Let me, I, I, need to, I want to give a little uh, bridging what's happening. Uh, some, of, some of you know, We've been, uh, and, and, and some of us, uh, probably most of you know, the one of Kutoba elders, more, more specifically Elder Jenny. And you know that uh, probably last uh, two and a half, a month or so, about three months or so, uh, struggled with a calling, sense of calling from God to show and obey God. And, and, and she was messed up, she was really a 
a lot of, I should hear the voice of God, share a lot of dialogue with the church ministry. We saw God and prayed, I saw that for God. You know, and today we are going to, we are commissioning them all to, uh, and to their calling so they can pursue their calling. But I believe today's message uh, really, for me, perfectly fits together. Thank you. That was good. I thought somebody came out to pray. Good. I, I need to mention why. Why is this important? Because, you see, I got, God has been highlighting to us last five, six months. Church is not about building our own people. Church is always about kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Just as my life in God is not just about me, it threw me all the families of God to be blessed. This is why we are not just in here to build our church to be huge, which I love to for that to happen. But our goal is that we want to obey God. Even things are difficult, we want to follow God. And even things that make sense, if it's from God, if it's what God is saying, we want to do what God says. We need to make sure it is from God. Be clear. But we honor that. Everyone who, when we respond to God, Respond to God by obeying and following God. In some degree, we are, we are imitating like uh, Abraham did. Featured in the Bible, when we use Abraham when he was 75 years old uh, in the uh, uh, land of Sheldia, God says, leave everything behind, your family and your everything, and go to the land I tell you, because I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless through you. I'm going to bless all your That's what faith begins. By listening to obeying God. It may mean leaving your family, it may mean leaving everything behind. You're responding to God's promise, God's word. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but this is the right way. Ultimately, God's purpose will be fulfilled. So God is really, really speaking to me today as I prepare the message. God was saying, Do I hear God eagerly? Do I study the word of God to make sure that this is from God? And do I respond accordingly? That's God will do. My prayer is that God give us courage to say yes to what you, what you I mean, asked me to do. I remember when I said yes to God in 1992 and I left this church first time. But it's the most difficult season of my life, eight years, most difficult eight years of my whole life. But when it when in a difficult time because I was obeying God. But out of that, God changed a lot of things in me. But when you obey God, we honor God. When you obey God, it may become, things may open up as quickly, like Osu, it has happened. It may not be, it may be still more difficult, but obeying God is what we are called to Amen. Amen. Pray, pray. Father, we come. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that is in Christ Jesus. Messiah who came to save the world. You came not as the way we thought you would. You came as a servant who died on the cross for our sake. You resurrected. Give us hope and future. We thank you, God. You are the Messiah. You are the one we believe in love. Through your death and resurrection, you brought your good news to the ends of the earth. We are your people, God. You have to listen uh, with eagerness. We want to make sure that it's your word and uh, examine it closely. 
You want to respond with faith accordingly, God. You want to give you glory. You want to be the people of the world lived out in our lives. We honor and we give you glory, God. We know trusting and obeying is the best way, is a blessed way. We give you glory, God, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray.